Well, as you are searching in your Old Testament for the tail end of the second chapter of Jonah, Jonah chapter 2 and verse 10, while you're doing that, I'll get you caught up on the news. Whale vomit made the news recently. Did you know this? I'm not making this up. Um, A group of Yemeni fishermen discovered a 280-pound lump of ambergris whale vomit in the stomach of a sperm whale that they found uh, deceased and floating in the Gulf of Aden. Ambergris, as you might imagine, smells terrible. Um, and yet, ironically, it is used to make high-end perfume. It's, it's, yeah, it's the stuff that makes high-end perfumes scent last longer. So it's extremely valuable. Fishermen in that part of the world, this was around Saudi Arabia, uh, refer to it as floating gold. And so uh, these fishermen uh, find fetch them one and a half million dollars, all for a, a big lump of, of whale vomit. And you just got to think, how improbable is that? I mean, how unlikely is that? You wouldn't think anything vomited up from a whale would be worth anything, much less considered useful or even valuable. But it is. And that's Jonah's story, isn't it? It really is. And this morning we find Jonah vomited up from a whale's belly after three days and three nights in the thing. And Jonah's performance as an ambassador for the living God has been a complete failure thus far in his narrative. Disgraceful, really. And he ends up slimy and sin-stained on the shore of ancient Israel someplace. And the question is, is he still useful to God? He stinks of fish guts and disobedience. Is he still valuable to the kingdom of God? And we know Jonah's story pretty well by now. Israel's disobedient prophet. He ran away from God's will. He jumped on a ship and sailed as far away in the direction away from God's will that he could think of. He's on his way to Tarshish. He was supposed to leave Israel and go to Iraq, to ancient Nineveh. But what do we know so far? Jonah could not outrun God's grace. Wherever Jonah went, grace followed him. Even as he was cast off that ship that was carrying him far from God's will for his life, even as he sank deep down into the sea of his own disobedience, grace went deeper still. And mercy met him right where he was in the guts of that fish. So rather than perishing in some final sense, um, as Jonah deserved, he spent the three days and the three nights in the belly of a whale, a great fish of some sort. And then he gets vomited up 
miraculously alive, perhaps even brought back to life somewhere along the shore of ancient Israel. And today we're going to be reminded, and I trust rejoice in the reality, that the foul smell of Jonah's disobedience did not repulse God. I mean, what I mean by that is it didn't keep God from Jonah. It didn't render Jonah useless to God. Jonah gets a second chance. Some of you here today are getting a second chance. And it's with this second chance obedience that Jonah is used by God to be a part of the greatest single gospel outreach recorded in all of Scripture. It's not to do with Jonah. We already know he's not that big a deal. It's all to do with God. So today we consider the God of second chances. And I want to encourage us, let's just be asking ourselves this morning, has God given me a second chance at obedience to his will in some part of my life? What am I doing with it? Jonah 2 and verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. I want you to notice with me the contrast here. God commands a great fish, and the fish obeys immediately. Just as the wind had obeyed, just as the sea had obeyed, so now the fish obeys immediately. The Lord commands all of his creation, and his creation obeys. We sang that earlier, didn't we? At your name, the mountains shake and crumble. At your name, the the oceans roar and tumble. He's Lord of all the earth. Is he your Lord? Do you obey him? The sun rises and sets. The the tide ebbs and flows. Think about this. The tiniest insects march to the Lord's design for them. The largest sea creatures swim as God directs. But God had commanded Jonah And Jonah disobeyed. Have you? And if you have, is God done with you? So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. What what a contrast this is. A fish prepared by God to carry out God's purposes obeyed. A man made in the very image of God for the purpose of reflecting the glory of God disobeyed. You've got to wonder, what's Jonah's problem? What's our problem? Do you realize that the real trouble with Jonah is not so much that he jumped a ship and went to Tarshish when he should have hopped on a camel and headed to Nineveh? 
Those are just the details of this part of his life that we're looking at. The real trouble with Jonah began much, much earlier. See, the trouble with Jonah began at birth. What, what do I mean by that? Jonah is a man. He's human. Jonah, son of Amittai, is a son of Adam. And like all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, that's who we are, by the way, we've inherited their nature of self-direction, self-worship, rebellion against the will of God. We're not as bad as we could be, but we're not as holy as we ought to be, as we were created to be. Not one of us. That's why we read this account of Jonah and you think, good heavens, I think I'm that way too. You are. And this sin nature is illustrated for us in the, in the frenzied actions of these sailors that we met back in chapter 1. Remember, they did their best to save themselves. They even cried out to their phony gods. And they had a lot of them. Seeking rescue and yet finding none. Not in themselves or in their dead religion. And this sin nature is pictured to us even in the actions of Jonah. As he runs from God's clearly revealed will for his life. And be sure of this. The consequences of that rebellion. The consequences of any rebellion against God. Any distortion of his holiness. Is pictured for us in the raging storm. In the seething sea. Of chapters 1 and 2. See, the sailors' only hope for rescue was in a substitute, Jonah. Uh, Jonah's only hope for rescue was from outside of himself, divine rescue. Remember, uh, Jonah cried this from the belly of the whale, salvation is of the Lord. God's rescue for sinners Destined for the bottomless sea of his wrath, his hell, is, is a rescue by substitution. Don't miss that. Not helping ourselves, not resolving to do something for God. God gives us help, and the help he gives is from outside of us. And Jesus Christ is that divine help. And Jesus Christ is that only hope. Rescue from the wrath of God for sin. Are you a sinner? Are you hearing this? Rescue from the righteous wrath of God for any sin is given to all of God's people. Jews like Jonah, Gentiles like those pagan sailors on the ship, even the, the folks in Nineveh who we'll consider later comes only on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for his people. That's why God preserved Jonah in the belly of that fish. 
He, he's to be a living illustration for us. Jesus said this, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What does he mean by that? Jesus, the Son of Man, is the second Adam, isn't he? I mean, he, 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 he is God, the eternal Son. The living God, the eternal God, came to this earth and lived out the very holiness of our Creator in real time. In man. And Jesus went to that cross where his love ran red for you and for me. For all who will turn to him for rescue. People who are not as bad as they could be. But people who are far from holy as they were created to be. And Jesus was plunged into that sea of God's wrath for his people. You see, he's our champion. He's our king. Our king came to be our substitute. Are you glad for this? And his body was swallowed up in that tomb outside of Jerusalem and after three days and three nights, he was raised from the dead in the power of a heavenly life, a divine life. And listen, he offers to share this victory over sin and sin's death with any of you who will turn to him and him alone. And you, some of you are looking at me like, I'm pretty sure you said this earlier. Do you, do you know why this is so urgent? Because if you and I study Jonah and we miss Jesus, we miss the whole point. That's why. In the same way that if, if we studied Hosea like we did and we miss Jesus, you miss the whole point. Those of you who are studying Revelation again and again and again, keep doing that. But if you miss Jesus, start over. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one come to make all things new. Don't miss Jesus. Jesus is the perfect prophet. Unlike Jonah. See, when he heard the word of the Father, he immediately obeyed. Instead of running from the word of the Father, Jesus only ran toward the word of the Father to carry it out. And what was the Father's will? It pleased the Father to bruise the Son to punish the Son in your place and in my place. Do you believe this? Jesus says this, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Do, do you believe in the Son? So the Lord spoke to the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. See, Jonah delivered from wrath. He's on dry land now. He's got firm footing now. What, what about you? Before we go any further in this study of Jonah, what about you? Are, you? are you on firm footing with God? 
Does the wrath of God abide on you? Or have you planted your feet firmly and forever on the solid rock? Who is Christ Jesus? So why am I calling this message Second Chance Obedience? This is the beginning of the sermon, actually. Um, two, two reasons, really, and very simple. Two very simple reasons. But both are to do with Jonah 3.1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. That's as far as I got. Listen, I have no doubt that you have heard this gospel before. And, and, and I cannot help but get it out of my head and out of my heart that there may be some here today whom God is giving a second chance at repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Will you not obey the gospel that calls you to repent and flee to Christ? Trust in Him. God commands the sea and it obeys. God commands a fish and it obeys. And God commands you today to repent and believe the gospel. Will you obey? Or are you offended by all of this? Church goer that you are. Let me just love you enough to tell you that being in a church for many, many years doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in the sea made Jonah a fish. Listen to the words of another Jonah. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? You cannot save yourself then. Whether you've been sitting in church for years or not. And there is no other God but Christ. And only Christ saves. So take it from a restored prodigal. Take it from Jonah. Take it from Peter. Salvation is of the Lord. Run to him. He has mercy for you. Well, there's the gospel right there in your Old Testament. In this curious account of a rebellious disciple preserved by God with a fish, (laughs) prepared by God in the fish, and now propelled by God from that fish onto dry land. And I I want us to just think about this dry land. we'll, We'll not get much further. Just think about the dry land. That's the second reason I'm calling this message second chance obedience. We who are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, we have sure and solid footing now. Don't forget that. Um, we, we, we're secure and safe from God's wrath for sin. Uh, we, we will never be judged. We will never be punished for our sin. All of that has been taken care of by grace in the work of Christ. And the question for us now is simply what's next? What's next? Jonah gets a second chance. What's he going to do? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, 
arise, go. This is really the, the, the high water mark, if you will, of the book of Jonah. And it, the, the book ends kind of awkwardly from a human perspective. And this is one of the most wonderful expressions of God dealing with his stubborn, sinful, selfish people in all of Scripture. How sweet these words must have been the second time. They were disregarded and disobeyed the first time, but now they're repeated. And they're not condemning words, they're not punitive words. They're not threatening words. These are words of grace. Jonah, you are still useful to me. Your your service is quite valuable because it is for me. And and it'll be done in my strength, for my glory. Jonah is the unlikely, improbable ambergris of God's mercy in God's kingdom. He doesn't deserve a second chance, yet he receives one anyway. Do you realize God does not owe his wayward people a second chance? Boy, this world is full of people living as if they're owed something. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what's much more sad than that? people made in the image of God who have turned their backs on God and then living as if God owed them something. He owes you nothing. God is a debtor to no one. He owes me nothing. And yet he gives us everything in Christ. That's why I suggested you read the account of the man of God in 1 Kings 13 this past week. Did anybody actually do that? A couple people? Thanks. Um, (laughs) These things never really catch on, do they? Um, Jonah was a prophet during the reign of Israel's king, Jeroboam II. Um, the, the man of God, the, the prophet uh, uh, in 1 Kings 13, served during the reign of that king's daddy. Okay, The point being, Jonah would have known all about what happened with the man of God, whose ministry is described to us in 1 Kings 13. He, he would have known, for example, how God allowed that prophet to be torn apart by a lion simply for being tricked into disobeying the will of God. Jonah wasn't tricked into disobeying God. I mean, he really put his back into it all by himself. He, did, he, had, he needed no outside help to disobey God. Jonah was not owed mercy. Mercy, by definition, is undeserved. God in mercy withholds the wrath that is truly deserved. And he extends the second chance that Jonah does not deserve. And Jonah knows this. The forgiveness that he received for his failure is all of grace. It's all of mercy. And so is yours. And so is mine. 
We're not owed this. It's a gift. And our Bible is full of the lives of those who at first disobeyed and then received a second chance at obedience, isn't it? And we love to be reminded of these saints who have gone before us. Moses killed a man and then fled into the wilderness. That's not the best of starts, is it? And yet he is used of God to be a great redeemer of his chosen people Israel in Egypt. Uh, David, the great king of Israel, so privileged and blessed from his youth. And yet we read of him sinning. We read of him lusting and murdering and lying and all of that stuff. Um, Only to repent, God grants him the grace of repentance. And he goes on to serve God with a renewed commission. A a man after God's own heart, he's described to us in Scripture. The Apostle Peter, so confident in himself, denied even knowing the Son of God. And yet he's restored in the most tender way and recommissioned to serve God in great ways. Not because he's great, because our God is great. Great in mercy. We serve a God who owes no one forgiveness and mercy, let alone restoration to usefulness. But he so often gives it freely. Listen, God does not decide that you are fit for nothing because you sinned against him in the past. Don't don't believe that. When you repent... Uh, He has a way of restoring you. He has a way of recommissioning you. He has a way of resending you, letting you know he is with you just as he promised to always be with you. So we don't want to marvel at Jonah just yet. We're meant to marvel at God. See the depth of his mercy. Here's how another prophet, Jeremiah, puts it. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God doesn't owe his wayward people anything. But listen, God delights to give his people a second chance at obedience. Is the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart this morning? about an area of your life when you, when you know you've been outside the will of, will of God. He's made that plain to you. And today he comes to you in his word and he says, you, you've got another chance. I'm that merciful. Will you, what are you going to do with it? Don't believe the lie that your past failures, however profound, however deep, However long-lasting, don't believe the lie that your time of usefulness to the Lord is over. Now, here's the thing. Can this be practical for just a minute? How many times has the word of the Lord come to you, Christian, saying, Arise, you need to be baptized. You need to obey the very clear Revealed will of God for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Listen, 
We'll have everything set up for baptism next Sunday. Uh, please come up and see an elder after the service if you've not yet stood before others and said, you know what, this Jesus is mine. And it's my aim to follow him as he allows the rest of my life. You say, well, I, I, I'm waiting to see how I feel about it. It's not, it's, it's nothing to do with feelings. Arise and go. It's time for you to arise and go. How many times has the word of the Lord come to you saying, arise? You, you need to go tell your neighbor. You need to tell your family member. You need to tell that classmate all about the hope that you have in Jesus. Time is short. Will you not obey? And God comes to you by his spirit today, perhaps, and he's saying, look, I'm not sending you across the sea. I'm not sending you to another continent. I'm so, will you not go across the hall, across the street, across the classroom or the campus? How many times has the word of the Lord come to you saying, arise, go, put to use that giftedness of the spirit that's been given to you to serve in the body of Christ? Maybe that's been tugging at your conscience for far too long. If you just sing loud enough, you won't hear it. That's not so. You serve yourself just fine. You receive service from others just fine. When will you arise and go and get going in serving God's people? There's always the danger of these things being personal, practical. What will you do with this second chance at obedience? Some of you retired folk have um, bought the lie that you're no longer useful for the kingdom of God. Your, your season has passed, you think. Could I just say to you, as someone who's incredibly young, um, <laughs> that, that's not true. We need you. You who have walked for decades with our risen Savior in a messed up world like this. And you know what it is now to disciple someone. You know what it is to mentor someone. You know what it is to be an encourager, a witness, a servant, a prayer warrior. However it is God has shaped you. Is it time for you to arise and go? Maybe you're resting on the laurels of having done some things in the past that are just wonderful for the church. But, but God comes to you today and he says, arise and go. You're still alive. <laughs> you're still here. God does not owe his people a second chance, but God delights to give his people a second chance. You see, it, it's one thing to have been delivered. That's Jonah. But it's another thing entirely to be called to do something new, isn't it? To get going again. Jonah, uh, Mr. Ambergris himself, uh, ha has been delivered. Have you? Haven't you? Jonah has now been called to get going again. Serve the Lord again. Haven't you? A and what are your excuses? Well, we're... I can think of one because I've used it myself. I, I have failed. 
I've shared that with you folks before. I, I, in my past, I have a, a prodigal season. That's the candy-coated version of my testimony. Who's going to believe the witness or even accept service in the name of Jesus from somebody who has failed so colossally? Someone with a, with a backstory like mine. You want, do you have a backstory? Turns out everybody does. Do you realize the Lord Jesus has an answer to that cry? Listen, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says that Jonah is not merely assigned to us. Jonah was assigned to the people of Nineveh. Now just think that one through. For as Jonah became assigned to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. What's he talking about? He, 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 God intended to use Jonah's account of his own preservation and his own preparation and even his own expectoration from that fish. That's part of his witness for the Lord now. He's, that's not going to be wasted. It's going to be used and made useful for the kingdom of God. You see, God intends to use your own unique preservation, your, your own unique preparation, your own unique, for your own unique proclamation of the gospel. And so, and so God says to you, uh, repentant backsliders, um, arise and go. It's not to do with you anyway, it's to do with Jesus. God uses even his people's failures to craft their testimony of his great mercy. And you think, well, Jonah, he must have totally reformed himself and become qualified in order to serve and go off to, to Nineveh. That must be what happened, and so off he goes. Good heavens, just read the rest of the book. It'll only take you a couple minutes. Jonah is still selfish and proud. Uh, he, he's been a racist and a rebel, and, and he still struggles with these things, as we'll see as we move our way through chapter 3. So th this is not to do with perfection. He's been saved by the God of mercy. And, and as a recipient of God's great mercy and forgiveness, he, he's, he's repented and he's now qualified by God to tell others of the God of mercy and forgiveness. Listen to Romans 11, 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Just think about what that is saying. Once you're an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, you will always be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just a question of what kind of ambassador are you? You mean even if you've been a crummy one in the past? Yeah. Even if you failed colossally in the past, yeah, arise and go. Even if the consequences of your sin hang about your life like whale vomit on an ancient prophet, yes, go. God will use that when you've repented, stepped back into his will. He doesn't waste stuff. For the gifts and calling of the Lord are irrevocable. That, that's how it is for you and me. We, we who are in Christ, 
When we fail, when we defy the Lord, when we refuse his direction, this, the Bible does not commend that. Don't misunderstand the message. It's just that that does not disqualify you from being used of God. You're preserved. You're prepared. It's time to get going again. Arise and go. So, so Jonah knows the will of God for him now. It hasn't changed. Let me ask you something as we wrap this up. Do you know the will of God for you? I mean, has the Lord been speaking to your heart, friend, about some specific area of your life where you know you are outside the leading of God? Jonah now knows the depth of God's forgiveness. I mean, if the word of the Lord comes a second time, you're forgiven, right? That's a sweet thing to hear that. What, what, a, what a mercy from God to hear the leading of his voice once again. Do, do you know the depth of your Lord's forgiveness? Do you rejoice in that? Or are you one of these people who says, you know, I just, I just have trouble forgiving myself. Let me say this as tenderly as I can. That's stupid. <laughs> Here's why. You don't have the authority to forgive yourself. You don't have the authority to forgive sin. God does. And he's done this in Christ. And if God has forgiven you in Christ, who are you to say he hasn't? Jonah now knows the power of God's deliverance. Do you? Well then. By faith in the power of the resurrection. Arise and go. Arise and go. Let me just end with this. Pretty soon. It, 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 it's very easy to read the book of Jonah and think, um, man, what a messed up guy. I mean, the guy's a train wreck, really. I mean, this is as good as it gets, trust me. If you haven't read the, the book, it wouldn't take you long to do so, but... This is about as good as it gets. And, and maybe the message of Jonah for us is just don't be like Jonah. Case, this could be, didn't even have to be a sermon series, right? Just don't, don't be like Jonah. There you go. Uh, not so fast. Not so fast. Jonah, who confronted us with our own disobedience, with our, with our own ignoring the clear will of God for us in chapter 1, and chapter 2 now confronts us with what we will do when we hear God say to us with respect to some area in our lives, arise and go. The, the word of the Lord has come a second time. Arise and go. Are you arising to run from God? Still, as, as Jonah was in chapter 1? Are you in that sweet place of running to God as Jonah was in chapter 2? Or are you in the place at last of running for God as we see in these opening words of chapter 3? Well, that, that's, that's the ambergris thing, isn't it? You wouldn't expect anything vomited up from a whale to be worth anything, much less useful much less valuable, but it is. And that's our deal, just as it was Jonah's deal.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of your deep, deep grace and your vast mercy, your love for sinners, your faithfulness to restore, that in power you've done everything necessary for this to be so. I pray, Lord, that you would so work among us that we would not be those who are still running from your will, that we would not be those who believe the lie that because we once ran, we are no longer useful. Lord, let us be those who run to you and repent and see the wonder of your forgiveness, the wonder of your restoration and your recommissioning. Lord, for your name's sake, I ask that you would cause us to be those who are running for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.